HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by the Heritage Meat Shop, located in the historic Essex Street Market in New York City. For more information, visit heritagemeatshop.com. Broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to heritageradionetwork.org. Boys, I'm mellow as a honeydew. Yeah. That cat is high. Look that look in his eye. Oh man, he's high. Yes, higher than a kite. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. In the studio today, I've got a good buddy of mine, Aaron Polsky, head bartender at Netta. Also, bartender at Amori Margo. We are familiar with that place. We've had several of the employees and bartenders from Mori Margo come through and uh yeah it's been an awesome summer i've gotten to see you a lot this summer and it's great to finally get you on the show so welcome welcome to the studio thank you sir very happy to be here awesome so i think the last time i saw you was at tales of the cocktail probably <laughs> um, I was, probably saw each other there. probably five-ish in the morning and i think i had my suitcase with me and was uh hauling ass to the airport to get back to new york city we had a show that day so it was a it was a long night, as they typically are at Tales of the Cocktail, and then had to fly all night and go play a rock and roll show. That's um, the only way to do it. That's though, the right? only way to do it. Yeah. Um, but uh, definitely uh, got to hang out quite a bit at Tales of the Cocktail and uh, talk shop and and shoot the shit, as it were. And uh, you're pretty good at that. So it's a good thing that we're here doing this on the radio show today. Um, so. Tell me a little bit about uh, the places you're working at right now. I mean, we we definitely know about Amoria Margo. Uh, Netta, you've been there for not not extremely long. No, um, I mean, it's a new restaurant, so I've been there since about April, mm-hmm. I would say. Uh, they opened in March or February, I believe. Nice. Um, yeah, so a few months. It's been great. And the style of Netta? It's a Japanese restaurant, um, but not with... I would say the constraints of your typical sushi temple. Um, the chefs came from Masa. Uh, it's Nick Kim and Jimmy Lau, and they were the head chefs of Masa and Bar Masa, respectively. They came and opened their own place. Um, we also have um, people from all over. Uh, we have a very talented chef of the hot kitchen as well. Uh, so the food is just awesome. Cool. And 
I, I, I love Japanese food and I, I, I love sake and shochu and, and soju and like in the, the different ingredients that you get to use. In fact, my, my first bartending job when I moved to New York City was at a Japanese dessert bar. So it was all like uh, desserts. Which one was that? It's called Kyoto Foo. It's in Hell's Kitchen. Um, and it was cool because like all the cocktails were shochu based, uh, not necessarily sake based. Uh, there were a couple that we did with some sake, like sparkling sake right. and whatnot. But um, it, it's such a cool, like, unique area of of drinks in, like, the cocktail world to use those ingredients and those different spirits. And you can really do some interesting stuff that it's completely different from the normal, like, stirred and boozy and bitter that we're used to in in the cocktail world these days right and that's i mean that's an important thing at netta um is to create drinks that go well with food um the beautiful thing about soju is that it's a distillate at about 25 percent alcohol so you can use that in place of gin or whiskey or whatever um you can infuse it it takes on flavor well and you can make cocktails that are significantly lower in ABV and go um, significantly better with food, I think. Um, one thing that people say is that cocktails don't go with food, and I believe that, in a sense, they're largely right that cocktails as we know them don't go with food. Um, you know, a Manhattan can obliterate even a steak. But, yeah, go on. But, I mean, I... I, I disagree with that. I disagree with that. I mean, of course, yes, there are, you, if you think about a meal and then a cocktail, the cocktail is just basically the same approach as putting a bunch of ingredients together as basically a liquid meal. So you're basically taking two different entrees and, and forcing them against each other. But I think, I think that that's not necessarily always the case. I mean, like you said, a Manhattan can kill a steak, but I mean... It it depends on like what you do with the Manhattan too. I mean, if you're using a strong vermouth like something more aromatic like Punta Mez, of course you're going to start killing it. If you're using Carpano Antica, it's so rich that yeah, I mean, it's going to coat your palate in a different way to where you're not going to pick up the subtle nuances of like a, a dry aged ribeye or you know you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, it, but but at the same time, it's if you do something like just a classic stirred old fashioned and you don't go crazy with the bitters, you know. You're basically, in a way, just having like a churched up glass of whiskey with your steak. So it works out, you know? Right. And I love doing that, you know? Um, I wish we were doing that right now. (laughs) Yeah, I would be totally down if only we were in the restaurant. Um, You know, yeah, you're absolutely right. It goes, it can go well if that's what you're looking for, but unless somebody orders an old fashioned and a steak, you can't recommend that as a pairing to someone who might not have instinctively gone there. And what I'm trying to do is make cocktails that you can recommend as a pairing that because they're lower in ABV or because they're completely dry or, um, and I'm using the word dry as the absence of any residual or added sugar. So a martini I think would be, you know, regardless of the amount of vermouth would be considered dry in this, um, example. But, yeah, because they're either using food ingredients or savory or salty um, or any combination thereof or low ABV, you know, those cocktails, I believe, can go better with food and can be an interesting pairing as opposed to a pairing that just works. Yeah. And I think, like, 
I feel like just to kind of like side, like to take a sidebar on that, uh, just to hit on one of the points you were talking about. Lower ABV cocktails, I feel like, are something that we're going to start seeing a lot more of. And we already have started to see a lot more of. I mean, I guess when I was thinking about this over the last, like the, the whole summer, really, when I think about lower ABV cocktails, I think about, you know, things that we're using, like like sherry is like basically a base spirit. You know, obviously that's lowered alcohol, and there's such a wide range of sherries that you can get all kinds of different flavors out of them, you know, and anything from like super bone dry and nutty to like sweeter and like raisinated, you know, like a, like a Pedro Jimenez, you know, to a Fino or Oloroso. Um, and but that's really cool. Like, I guess I haven't thought about uh, shochu in a while, but yeah, like you said, they're typically around 25%, like. Anywhere from twenty five to thirty six. I've seen some that were like Takara's I think thirty five or six. Sure. Um but yeah, that's cool. I mean like at that point you you do have the influence of something like a boozy flavor, but it's not gonna kill you, you know? So Right. And the thing is is you can you know, I'm definitely trying to stay away from variations on classics. Um I love them and I believe that classics are classics for a reason. Mm-hmm. But even just for the sake of discussion, if you throw shochu, if you dress up a shochu somehow or another uh, and throw it into a martini ratio instead of gin or vodka, you've basically got one. Not not that I would make a martini with vodka. <laughs> you've basically got one that already works, has that nice sharp flavor, but has maybe 40% less alcohol total yeah. in the cocktail. Um, and that that's awesome. You know, and it's an amazing um, distillate. Mm-hmm. And typically, it's a rice distillate. Um, yeah. It's basically you can take <clears throat> stock eight and distill it, and you've got shochu. Right. But it would, it would be very expensive to do exactly. so. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> but um, there's some really cool, like as far as as far as that goes. Then I think most people, when they hear about shochu in a cocktail or just in general, it's going to come off as something that's very close to a vodka but that's not necessarily true i mean since it's such a lower abv distillate you retain more of the initial flavor of the root basically yeah so Um, then you've got also one like there's like sweet potato shochu sweet potato sesame sesame is awesome really cool Um, barley i mean there are tons of different ones and yeah it's like yeah ichigo yeah it's totally like the barley distillate yeah um you know, it's it's kind of like using a first run of white whiskey from the still. Sure. Yeah. Basically. So, going back to what you were saying about um, basically having these lower ABV cocktails, but keeping them very savory and dry, and not going, basically not starting out with the platform of a classic cocktail uh, spec. You know, like you said, you mentioned like martinis and Manhattans. You know, even, you know, like the the traditional, like, sour kind of proportions and things like that. I mean, when Phil Ward was on the show a while back, he said that a lot of times what we're doing with, like, modern classics is we're taking classics, we're just playing Mr. Potato Head with the ingredients. That, you know, for something that makes sense. Like, I've done, like, French 75s, but with tequila. And then, oh, well, maybe we use agave instead of simple or, you know, creme violette. So it just makes sense. Hasbro will keep making new eyes and ears for Mr. Potato Head, but the game gets boring (laughs) after a while. Exactly. You know, like, um, I totally, 
love drinking those drinks and you know um i love going to bars and getting cool variations on classics and sours and stirred and whatever um but like what's been awesome about netta is that i've been getting inspiration from single ingredients right and they've been like you know um chef nick would be like oh well let's try something with whatever ingredient from the kitchen right like lately bonito flakes was a two-month-long journey that finally culminated in the cocktail but you start with that and then see what'll work with it and then what ratio so doing that frees you up or frees me up at least from saying how can i make a variation on this classic or how can i make a cocktail with this spirit because now it's slate yeah. yeah totally blank slate it's you're now restricted to what's going to work with this bonito mm-hmm. right so right off the bat certain certain spirits are, are gone you know and you're drawn to you know i use hakushu which is this centauri japanese whiskey um and ended up with tons of different stirred modifiers that i tried to use um and actually final finally settled on sake funny enough but it's a very meaty um umami if you will sake and it just works really well there and it's dry like i tried it with solaire i tried it with imbue i love those products um and i found myself upping the sweetness right when i when i did it i added you know like a touch of honey or a touch more touch of demerara and then i was like what if i just go dry like food is dry for the most part yeah do, do you ever use any like Japanese sweetener, like uh, kurumitsu, like like black sugars, like that? Um, we've started playing with black sugars uh, a while ago, or black sugar rather. Um, a while ago, I was playing around with Manhattan's with it, um, but it tastes when you make a syrup from it, it tastes a lot like molasses. Yeah, it's so, got that funky like molassesy black strap kind of thing. Yeah. Going. Um. So you know just working working with it it's in the repertoire but nothing yet yeah so when you when you have an ingredient like something that you find interesting like daikon or you know like any <laughs> any kind of strange thing not, not necessarily strange in in the world of japanese cuisine but for us like in in the bar world it's like stuff that no one would ever or has ever used before but um you find those interesting ingredients as you're walking through the walk-in, like rooting around for something to play with, uh, or like the chef suggests it to you. Like you said, this being a blank slate and being very like singular ingredient focused, where do you, it's, it's so easy to fall back into the, the whole idea of like, you know, Oh, well I could use this in, uh, you know, a pen's cup variation or, you know, like something classic, you know, how do you, keep from I, this is it really interests me so i'm trying, <laughs> trying to figure out what, what i'm trying to ask but how do you restrain yourself from falling into that old routine i mean i know that's a strange I, question to ask i basically try to not um to not say what kind of cocktail it would work well in but build spirit by spirit or component by component until something works and until or until something doesn't work and then you yeah. realize that the last thing you put in shouldn't go in there right um and beyond that i mean you know saying this this might work well in the pim's cup and, and making something with it could actually provide a good jumping off point it'll at least you know because you've thrown other things in there you can see what ingredients work well 
And our menu isn't exclusively dry, savory cocktails. There are a few that are more accessible and sours and whatever. Um, so it's not always a bad approach. I mean, listen, if you have a really cool cocktail or a really cool ingredient and you've tried it in the cocktail, uh, that's somewhat classic but is really good, then fine. Yeah, you know? keep it. But, like, the goal is to make as many of those, like, really new cocktails. Sure. Um, we're going to take a quick break. And uh, when we get back, we're going to continue talking about the the very defiant style of bartending and uh, cocktail creation from Aaron Polsky. Back in just a moment. from the Heritage Meat Shop. Are you tired of just hearing buzzwords? Do you want to actually take part in the food revolution? Then come on down to the Heritage Meat Shop, located in New York's historic Essex Street Market, on the corner of Essex and Delancey. We have rare breed pork, beef, poultry, lamb, and goat, not to mention charcuterie that'll make you squeal. All raised right, by the right people, so you know they'll taste right. Try the meat that over 100 New York chefs ache for. Come to the Heritage Meat Shop and pick up some revolution today. For more information, visit heritagemeatshop.com. And we are back. You're listening to The Speakeasy. In the studio today, we have Aaron Polsky of Netta and Amoria Margo. We were just talking before the break about his very unique approach to creating new cocktails out of I, I I always like to say oddball ingredients because I, I I love that kind of stuff. I always like to like said before like root around the spice cabinet or in the walk-in and see what's what's in and what's like seasonal and what I can do with it. You know, we're always exercising those creative muscles. You know, to uh, to keep getting bigger and better with what we do. And for you at Netta, you've been using some some really like traditional ingredients for these cocktails, but trying to keep it dry and savory. And how, how does the customer approach that when, when there are things that they don't recognize, is it something that they're turned on by or that might be confusing? You know, I think that it's largely it, not a people often, you know, order the omakase. So they're opening themselves up to a chef's choice, if you will. Um, and 
I think that they're already kind of like in a in the mood of discovering or or trying something new or whatever. So all we have to do is recommend it. You know. Um, having said that, we do have a couple cocktails that are just highly accessible. Um, and again, those were were like we were talking about before. If you make something that's good and interesting, just put it on, um, even if it is similar in build to a classic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, some of the savory cocktails aren't on the menu yet, um, but some are, and people are really receptive to them. Cool. I think like all this comes with obviously experience with bartending and understanding like how flavors work together. I mean, that being said, you can, you can definitely put these together and like we were talking about on the break, you're saying that it's our responsibility as bartenders, not only to create interesting cocktails, but also at the end of the day, you're in the service industry, you know, it's all about customer service too. So you can walk someone through the ingredients and kind of explain the cocktail to them and, you know, let them know why these flavors work together. And, and also, you know, it's not always going to be a bunch of ingredients that the customer hasn't seen before. There's always going to be at least one in there that they can grasp onto and be like, Oh, I know what that is. Yeah. This goes with, okay, cool. All right. Let's try that out. Even if it's like an element of an infusion, right? So we have one cocktail that's uh Kiyuchi, which makes Hitachino, uh, makes a distillate out of Hitachino white. That's super funky, super interesting. Um, and we mix it with, we infuse it with maitake mushrooms uh, and blended it with chilled soba cha, which is uh, buckwheat tea. Um, and that's another thing that we're trying to work with is flavorful, non-alcoholic stirred modifiers. So teas are great. Absolutely. Right? You can make a beautiful ch- tea, chill it down, find something that pairs with it. And you've got yourself a great drink that's got a lower ABV. Um, but, you know, to some people, to a lot of people, really, maitake mushrooms or mushrooms are not that inaccessible. So, right. uh, I like mushrooms. Yeah, I like mushrooms. Great. <laughs> let's let's drink some, you know. Um, but, uh, <laughs> okay, we were, we were about to enter off into another part of the world there. Oh. Hey, and we're back. Um, but, you know, so people see that and they're like, well, that sounds interesting. Yeah, let's try it. Totally. You know, and that's really the the goal and the hope is that people are like, they see it, they say that's interesting. Let's try it, and then they try it and say, "Wow, I've never had anything quite like that before." Sure, that is one of the most gratifying things, especially or really only if it's positive. But yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, you know what? While we're on this subject, um, and especially with this conversation we've been having about it, it is a very specialized style bar so is Amoria Margo and when we were down at Tales of the Cocktail one of my favorite seminars that I was able to attend was actually a gorilla seminar in a hotel suite at the Montelion and it was basically a panel discussion you were part of it uh, there was Tristan Willie there was Maxwell Britton uh, who else was there Tom Chadwick Tom Chadwick um, Mayur Subaru mm-hmm. as well um I think that's it. I'm pretty sure it was preceded and followed by heavy Jeff drinking. Bell. So yeah, Jeff Bell. Did yeah. you say that? You no, didn't I didn't. Say, you didn't yeah. say Jeff. Yeah. Sorry, Jeff. We, <laughs> we got you. <laughs> um, but was, the whole thing was about like specialized bars, and and if you want to expand on the whole premise of the 
Yeah, well, the thing is, um, so Mayur and I, the Saturday before Tales, when I hadn't even, I didn't even know that I was going at the time, um, or I hadn't decided yet, and we were just talking about how some bars, just like some restaurants, specialize in things, and they, you know, there's Mayawal, which is a tequila bar, there's Amoria Margo, which is a stirred bitters cocktail bar, um, there are others. There's Booker and Dax, which specializes more in the technique than, mm-hmm. um, than you know, the ingredients. But again, it's it's got its own ethos. And then there are bars that don't necessarily specialize um, in a focus as in as specific a way. So um, Eleven Madison is a great example, or Employees Only, or whatever. And I think that those bars, um, and this is just a fact of what they are try to be all things to all people, right? Eleven Madison has almost every brand of everything and every style of cocktail, as does the Nomad. And that's amazing, you know? Um, they, I would say their specialty is quality cocktails sure. with quality service. Um, and same thing with employees only. Like, they just want people to drink what they want to drink, not, you know, and, and just enjoy themselves. Um, my well is a tequila bar, right? So one goes in there and just like going to um you know going to a sushi restaurant and expecting sushi um you go to a tequila bar and one would expect tequila based and mezcal based cocktails um and that's fine right that's great and i think the reason that amore and uh mywell are so successful is that it's because is is because um they are unwavering in their commitment to their ethos sure so they don't have everything for everyone but they do have something for everyone um and that's really important like try this with tequila or with uh citron sauvage which is a bitterman's grapefruit bitter right um we have these cocktails that are really they're interesting but they're also easy to take down and they're delicious and whatever. And basically the person who comes in and asks for a margarita, which I can't make because I don't have juice at Amoria Margo, right. you know, we'll recommend that and we can make it with tequila and they love it. Right. The Citron Collins it's yeah. Um, but yeah, so what we wanted to talk about was just stand by who stand behind what you are and what you do. And yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was cool too, because during that, that, uh, that awesome seminar, um, there were, you know, there were people from the media like myself, and there were people from PR agencies, uh, a couple of writers there, and um, it was cool that by the end of the seminar, it became not only like this panel discussion, but you know, between the bartenders and bar managers, but it was an open forum between everyone in the room, and everyone was talking, and it became this really cool thing where, I don't know, it became a, like at one point it was almost like you know everyone was just like voicing their concerns with like customer service and then also you know like every kind of uh, every kind of facet that could possibly be imagined for like being in a bar environment and then by the end of it, it was like all right i'm glad we all got that off our chests you know <laughs> and so everyone was like walking out of the, the hotel suite like arm in arm and like all right, let's go get a drink now you know it was it was really cool yeah, it was such a great time, and it was 
an amazing room full of people just speaking candidly. Um, yeah. And I really, I mean, I really, I was really happy that that came together because yeah. it was, Mayur and I were planning it last minute down to the last minute, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely want to do it again next year. Yeah. Maybe we, maybe we <laughs> do it. Here. We'll do some radio. Yeah, totally. Um, so uh, quickly though, because uh, we're, we're, a few minutes from the end of the show unfortunately this one always flies by um but going back to uh back to the the cocktail creation for these different ingredients and whatnot um and what we started off the show with you were saying you know before that not necessarily every like every diner is going to want a cocktail with their meal you know um, I'm anxious to come by Netta and try out some of these and prove you wrong. But uh, I just wanted to touch on this quickly. Um, th- there's always been this this like front of house versus back of the house kind of like rivalry, and uh, and and I've I've definitely worked in situations where that was extremely true, and you know nowadays it's not true. We you know we work hand in hand, and it's always like oh dude I found this weird ingredient. Let's do something with this, you know. Right. I mean, everybody's everybody's shooting for the same thing, right? Yeah. Is a better restaurant and then, yeah. and great things on the menu. But I'm sorry, continue. No, no, totally. Um, I mean, what I was going to say is that it sounds like you've actually. It sounds like more than any place I guess that I've ever worked at. It sounds like you really have a strong relationship with the kitchen, and and you know you guys are like working with ingredients together and like putting together a very cohesive like a full package you know of of the drinks and the food you know and that's a really really important thing that a lot of people don't necessarily think about all the time yeah again it's nobody knows the drinks better than the bar staff and nobody knows the food better than the chef so why not you know work very closely together to make that sort of ideal relationship between the two you know chef tastes every cocktail before it goes on the menu um and every you know every iteration that i feel is worthy you know enough to pass on for a final judgment if you will um because yeah he knows it he knows the the food and he knows what'll go well with it cool that's great yeah you gotta you gotta and you know um they can provide great advice <laughs> absolutely as to what you can do with certain ingredients especially when they're really specific food ingredients yeah these guys went to CIA and FCI and we just worked our way up through the ranks right. to be where we're at right. and guys, we worked to yeah. we went to run our school and bus our school and <laughs> yeah totally well Aaron uh, it's been really awesome to have you on the show I'm, fi- I'm glad that we finally got a chance to do this Me and too, man. uh I'd love to have you back on again sometime soon, man. When are you going to be uh, at uh, both of the bars that you work at? Um, I am at Amoria Margo on Mondays and at Netta from Wednesday through Saturday. Although this week, I will be at Amoria Margo on Thursday as well. So if you're <laughs> listening right now, tomorrow night, <laughs> awesome. you can see me there. But yeah, come see me at Netta and eat some sushi and have a great cocktail. Killer. Thank you so much, man. Thank you, man. All right. This has been the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. We'll see you next week. Cheers. That cat is high, look at that look in his eye.
Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a non-profit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. I said that cat is high. Yes, he's high. Man, he's higher than a guy. That cat is high. Look at that look in his eye. Man, I wouldn't lie. The cat's high.